0: It was just one of those moments in your life where you're presented with two paths to take.
1: That's the sweet spot. It's what I like to call
2: swag and substance.
1: The idea got bigger and bigger and bigger the more people we kind of brought into it.
0: I'm Jeremy Schumann.
1: And I'm Ro Colinaros.
0: And this is the cheat sheet for your career from the top marketing talent behind the world's biggest brands.
1: We reveal the discoveries that kickstarted breakthroughs in their careers.
0: And share the timeless wisdom from their legendary CMO mentors.
1: To leave you with tactics you can use today to propel your career to new heights. This is the career advice you wish you had years ago.
0: This is Marketer Momentum. Marketer
2: Momentum. My name is Walid el Gindi. I lead brand marketing for Google Cloud at Google and responsible for brand marketing for all of our products within Google Cloud, which includes Google Cloud Platform and Google Workspace, which is formerly known as G Suite.
1: You feel like this new class of leadership to me because I remember the first time we spoke, you were helping your mom move. I always see you being somebody's cheerleader on Twitter or in our Slack channel you have this like real confidence without sucking up all the oxygen in the room and you're able to weave purpose and innovation together. So I'm excited for a new world where all leadership looks like
2: you. Thank you. I don't know what to say to that. I really appreciate that. And it's been amazing just connecting with awesome leaders like you and, and Jeremy. And I've learned so much from the AdWeek community, the mentorship program. It's been phenomenal so far.
0: And I'm gonna to have to second what Rose said I remember when I met you as well, I had stalked all the mentees beforehand and we met in San Francisco before the summit. And I'm like, oh dude, head of brand at Google, this guy's gotta be a badass. And I had seen some of the other Google execs and they're all brilliant. And some of them walk in with a vibe. And I met you and you were just so approachable and not intimidating. You were just one of the most real people I met just so quickly. It was just so cool to genuinely meet you so early on and just see the way you lead. So I think that's something that, we're going to like to dive into today of this idea of leadership and your approach to leadership. So for you, when was the first time you really felt like a leader and how did you make that jump? Did you realize you were becoming a leader in that moment or what was the start
2: of your approach to leadership? It's been a journey for me to really build up the confidence, the skills that I felt like I really wanted to have as a leader. And I would say the first time I really felt like I was leading anything was actually when I was on the agency side, leading projects for clients. And it was actually a really great opportunity for me to just understand how to actually lead small teams, how to actually lead projects, how to actually inspire people, inspire companies to manage up and to lead through influence. And that's something that for me has always stuck with me that leadership actually means so many different things. It's not just about managing people and a team, but it's about the impact that you have the influence that you have, and your ability to mobilize organizations and teams to do big things. And I've always looked at leaders that I admire. And I've been fortunate to work with some amazing leaders throughout my career where I've learned a lot about different ways to lead, different ways to inspire people. And I try to take as many notes as possible. And I try to emulate that as much as I can. And to learn from leaders that I've worked for and worked with that i wouldn't want to emulate in some ways. And I think we've all had those experiences where sometimes you get amazing leaders that you're working with and you've got to really capitalize on that. Sometimes you don't. And I think how you manage and navigate those situations is so important and has actually helped me personally grow as a leader for my team as well.
1: And I want to go back to when you talked about managing up, because I feel like that's often overlooked. When we hear about leadership, we hear about it from people at the top, but in your mid-level, there's that inflection point where you really do need to harness that power to manage up. How did you navigate that?
2: Yeah, no, that is actually one of the things that I think is so oftentimes like, overlooked and people, they take it for granted of how important that is because you oftentimes think that your boss or your executives or the C-suite, they've got all the answers and they they're going to dictate what they want to get done, but they don't. And they actually want you to help lead their thinking and to give them recommendations and to give them guidance. And for me, that's something that I try to put into practice with any opportunity that I've been given is how do I use it as an opportunity to show up with a point of view and to help them do their job better? And somebody told me early in my career that to be successful, you need to actually be able to demonstrate that you can do your boss's job for them. And that kind of stuck with me that it created this mindset for me that I wanted to help them succeed. And for them to feel they had an ally, they had a partner, they had somebody on their team that was looking out for them and for what they're trying to accomplish. And in doing so, you grow as a leader. And whenever I take an opportunity for good or for bad, I look at my boss, I look at my manager and I say, how can I do that job? How can I actually do what they're doing or help them do what they're doing? And if you have a great, boss and a manager, they will embrace that. They will help cultivate that. They will coach you. They'll guide you. And I think they'll help direct you and redirect you when you need that guidance. But it's also helped me understand how to manage up to your direct boss, but then also to executives and, and their bosses as well.
0: I think that's really smart. It taps in that idea of not only bringing problems to your bosses, but bringing solutions, but also taking it another level of not just your problems in your remit, but look at their world, have some empathy and what challenges are they up against and how can you block and tackle for them or provide starter solutions the way they're doing that for you. So that's super insightful, I love that.
2: Yeah, I think it's about helping them see problems, coming to them, not just with problems, but with solutions and then thinking through ways in which you can have them have a bigger impact and have the team have a bigger impact. And I've been fortunate to have worked in a lot of large Companies, in some cases, it's hard to actually move the needle on big projects and initiatives because you've got to bring 50 people along and you've got to bring departments along and you've got to influence people that you have literally no control over. And that's hard. But when you figure out how to influence the right people at the right time to show that you care about what matters to them and to listen to what matters to them and then tailor your approach to the different needs and opportunities, I think it goes. A long way, And one of the things that I've found to be super helpful as I've worked through, whether it's a big project initiative within any kind of company is take the time to listen to people across the business. Take the time to really listen to your leadership and take notes. Take notes around what are their big priorities? What are the things that they're talking about? What are they writing about? And put that into practice and then showing up with the right strategy recommendation that's pulling from what you've heard and what you understand shows that you're connecting the dots, you're listening and you're solving problems and that you're taking an active approach to getting stuff done. And I found that personally to be helpful.
1: Yeah, I like that idea of the active approach. Can you tell us about a time where you took that active approach or where you might've gone out of your swim lane to influence somebody to get on board with what you're doing?
2: Yeah, there's been a lot of those situations. I think one example that comes to mind is working when I was at Visa and working on this massive brand purpose for it that I was fortunate to work on. Antonio Lucio was CMO at the time, and he was actually trying to do something big about infusing brand purpose into the Visa brand. And so we kicked off this whole effort. It was a marketing-led initiative. It was massive in its scope. But one of the things that actually became really clear was that we had to bring the organization along. And corporate communications was a separate group within Visa. It wasn't under Antonio. It wasn't really part of his remit. But he had big ambitions and a big vision for where he wanted to take the brand, where he wanted to take the company. And I was fortunate to be part of that journey and part of that process and learned a ton from him along the way. But part of that was we had to lead through influence. We had to lead through ways in which we brought other parts of the organization on board, and we had to show how what we were developing really connected with what they were doing. And in the end, we actually were pretty effective because we came up with a new vision for the brand. We infused purpose into the brand. We gave it a little bit more meaning. We elevated it to more of an emotional place where Visa used to be known for security and speed and acceptance around the world. But what we actually did was we wanted to connect with consumers on an emotional level, and we infused this aspiration into the brand. And we gave the company vision more purpose by really adding this element of inclusion and accessibility. And it was one of these things where it was a very simple pivot that we made where the vision of the company at the time was to be the best way to pay and be paid. And what Antonio really helped champion was this notion that we needed to actually expand that to include reason. So we added three words, for everyone, everywhere. And all of a sudden, that vision became a much more meaningful goal and vision for the company that got everyone excited because it was the best way to pay and be paid for everyone, everywhere. And now we had a reason why we were doing the things that we were doing. We had a reason why we were trying to expand financial inclusion across the globe. We were trying to actually Reach emerging markets in new ways. And it allowed us to not just talk about what marketing can do to establish that strong emotional connection that we always want to have, but also the rest of the company. And we bring that to life over the course of a pretty big effort where we came up with a new logo for Visa. We repositioned a new positioning, a new tagline. We launched Everywhere You Want to Be, which was a big deal, launching that in 200 countries. And then also, a new visual identity of how we went to market. And then we launched that in 2014 at the Sochi Olympics as really our statement, our moment in time to introduce it to the world. And that became a benchmark for how we really started to infuse purpose into everything that we did at the company, which was a pretty exciting moment.
1: That's really powerful. And in this conversation and in our previous conversations, purpose comes up a lot. Can you tell us about how purpose has dictated your career path and the moves you made, the decisions you've made, and the work you've done?
2: Absolutely. For me, purpose is so important because I think it's what, and I look at it in two dimensions. There's your a brand's purpose, and it's really what a company stands for, and understanding how brands can stand for something bigger than what they sell. And I really think that's what separates good brands from great brands. And I think that's something that really makes a brand stand out if they Stand for something bigger than what they sell, and if they put it into practice, if they take action that actually makes it real authentic, and I think you see some companies obviously that we we see doing that really well nike patagonia ben and jerry's those are the ones that I think we always reference as best in class purpose led companies but I think it's something that is so oftentimes overlooked, misunderstood, people don't understand what it requires. I've been fortunate to have been part of small journeys where brands have been able to do that, build it in at Visa and at Google. And I think it's something that's really important at the brand level. I think it's something that's really important personally. What's your personal purpose? What's your reason for being? What motivates you? What inspires you? And I think the two... Go hand in hand, because I actually think as the world evolves, as people are looking for more meaning in the companies that they work for, as they're looking for more meaning in what they do and and where they spend the majority of their time every day, let's be honest. I think it's so important that you're aligned with a brand that has purpose or a company or an organization that has purpose, but also that it aligns with your personal purpose. And, and I think you can't look at one without the other because you're ne- it's never going to be a one for one where it's a perfect match, but you need that to be close enough where your personal purpose is close enough to what your brand or your company's purpose is. And I think that is oftentimes misunderstood. And I think it's so important. It's something that I've prioritized with the work that I've been part of. And, and I try to help people that I, I talk to either on my team or other teams try to understand where they can find most meaning and purpose in their work.
0: I think that's super important. We talk about brands having conviction to do like bold things and stand for bigger things. But I think we need that ourselves, especially every day when you're going to work during quarantine in this crazy world we're in today. Something that's always fascinated me about you is your vast experience. So you started agency side, and then you were actually the Olympic bid committee, and then at Visa and now Google. So those are all such diverse experiences and brands and ways of working. So from all those experiences, what's one key learning that changed the way you navigate your career today?
2: Yeah, I think the moments in my career where I've really, they've been pivot points for me or breakthrough points for me is when I try to force myself to do something that I'm uncomfortable doing. And I think that's something that I've learned, I would say, probably too late in my career. I wish I would have learned that earlier because you get caught up as you're working. If you're working on something cool and you're working on a great brand or you're working on a great project or a great campaign, you get comfortable and you get complacent and you can say, oh, I'm going to ride this out for a year or see where this goes. And then you get to a point, at least where I've found, is you stop learning. To me, that is one of the things that has terrified me about my own personal career is I never want to stop learning. I never want to stop growing. I never want to stop getting inspired from different things. And for me, what that's forced me to do is to actually push myself to doing things that I'm more uncomfortable with. So when I went from agency side to client side, that was a risk I took because I didn't start client side. I was actually starting in a more junior role, moving from the agency I was at to Visa. But it was a great opportunity when I took that Olympic job working for the Chicago 2016 Olympic Bid Committee, which was a phenomenal experience but a total pivot from my career had nothing to do with marketing. I actually became a lobbyist, lobbying, doing international relations, lobbying the IOC, trying to get IOC members to vote for the city of Chicago and to ultimately get Chicago to host 2016 games, which didn't work well. We did not succeed, but it was a great experience because it forced me to be uncomfortable, to try something new to learn. And ultimately to fail and to learn from that failure, which I think was a really great learning for me as well. And then I've carried that through at Google as well. And even over the course of my career, I started my career on the agency side doing a lot of strategy work. And over the course of the last seven years or so, it's really about leading execution. And it's about leading campaigns and it's about driving real tangible outcomes in market. And I think that has been something that's been uncomfortable, but it's been probably one of the best learnings that I've had over the last little stretch as well.
1: When you made those transitions and went from one entirely different thing to something totally different, how did you sell yourself to get those jobs?
2: Yeah, I never really thought of it as selling myself. I thought about it more as learning the skills required to get those jobs and understanding that there was a gap that I needed to fill in some ways. In some cases, I got very lucky and opportunities just fell on my lap. This Olympic opportunity, I wasn't even looking for. I just happened to be approached by somebody who worked for the mayor of Chicago. And I just happened to fit a profile of what they were looking for, somebody that could rep the city overseas. But I think where I've actually sought out after opportunities, it's really been about trying to close a skill gap that I've identified for myself. And trying to get those experiences that help me do that. And it's required me to take a hard look at where I've got strengths and an honest look about, hey, this is where I'm getting feedback on, whether it's from my manager or others on the team. It's like, you're good in these areas. These are areas you need to improve on. And so I have looked at that critically and said, okay, how can I build those experiences? How can I build those skills? And then take the steps to go do it and then try to position yourself for those roles. And I think where I've been successful is when I raise my hand for those roles and those opportunities. I make it known to people, that's what I want to go do. And I think taking that step to put yourself out there, you may not get the opportunity, you may not get it this time, you may get it next time, but taking those risks is really important. And I think part of it also that oftentimes gets overlooked is building those relationships across teams and organizations is so important because, it all comes down to relationships and the people, their trust, their understanding of you, your reputation. But the relationships, I think, are so important. And I've been fortunate to have really good relationships with people in the companies that I've worked with that have helped open doors for me that I'm very grateful for.
0: I think that's really sharp of the idea that you're so growth oriented, but you're also really aware that progress isn't comfortable. But also progress isn't really safe too. You got to take those risks and you're just like so aware of that, which led you to these really unique experiences that I think really set you up for where you're at today. Listen to you now, it's, oh man, maybe I need to step out of the industry for a few years and become a lobbyist just to learn those skills. Because I feel like you're so (laughs) diplomatic in your approach with
2: everything. I actually found myself sitting in hotel lobbies, literally lobbying. So it is exactly what you think it is. And that was eye-opening, but it was a fascinating experience. I'm not going to (laughs) lie.
1: And on the flip side, when you're building a team, when you're looking for talent, what are you looking for?
2: The number one thing that I really look for as I'm recruiting people is curiosity, is do they have this hunger to learn? It's something that I'm personally motivated by, and I love to learn from other people, from other situations, from experiences, whether they're my experiences or other situations, And I thrive on that. I think companies thrive on that curiosity to improve. And it's something that you really appreciate when somebody has a genuine curiosity for something where they want to learn about something. They want to go deep on something. They want to solve a problem. And they're scrappy, they're resourceful. They really think creatively about how to do things unique, differently, and innovatively. That's something that I always look for because at the end of the day, that's what separates somebody that is going to do the job that you ask them to do versus somebody that does the job that is breakthrough and, and that can really stand out in a way that you didn't even expect. And I think that's what I try to look for is that curiosity whenever I can.
0: I feel like that curiosity is something you very much embody as well from everyone you meet and also with some of the great leaders that you've worked with. And you've worked with some truly incredible leaders along the way. Are there any learnings that you find yourself always looking back to from one of your leaders early on in your career?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of learnings. I take notes from leaders that I've been fortunate to work with, whether it's Antonio Lucio, who's just an incredible legend in marketing and has been one of my mentors over the years, or Kevin Burke, who I had the pleasure of working with, who later went on to be CMO at Square. Jennifer Bizante, who I worked with also, who is now the CMO at Humana, or Lara Balash, now the, the CMO at Intuit. I learned a lot from each of those people in different capacities. In some cases, it's very tangible things like how to run a creative review. And one of the most incredible things that I learned from Antonio was how he ran creative reviews, which was just incredible. He's obviously known as being the most inclusive person out there when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and all of that. But I think he puts it into practice. And one of the things that I learned from him specifically was when you're doing a creative review with agencies or internal, wherever it might be, the way in which you conduct those matters. And so making sure that when you conduct those reviews, you're getting feedback from everybody in the room and you start with the most junior person in the room. You start with the people that are probably the least likely to speak up. And I found that to be really powerful because it really ensures that everybody's got a voice because obviously if we all know if the vp or the director or somebody or or antonio would share his feedback early on like it shuts everything down because nobody's going to contradict that but when you start with the most junior voice in the room everyone's got an opportunity they got a voice they can be heard and oftentimes they hear things that you would not have thought about and i found that to be just a really specific tactical thing that i put into practice in everything that i do with my teams with any creative review is make sure that everyone feels they've got a voice, they can be heard. And so those are small things. But then I've also learned things around transparency and the importance of transparency when it comes to the amount of information you share with your team, I think is really important because I think oftentimes if you're a leader or a new leader, or you're trying to build some kind of persona or reputation in the company. I think instinctively, you think you need to put on a facade or some kind of image that you're this like super powerful leader and you have all the answers, but I've learned that being real (laughs) is more effective with inspiring your team and managing your team because they see the humanity in what you do and they empathize with the situations that you face. And so if you don't have all the answers, I'm actually really clear with people, I don't have all the answers and I don't know the answer, but we can work through it. We can figure it out together. And I think that transparency, I think, is another thing that I've learned from a lot of the folks that I've I've worked with. And then also just the power of being authentic and being your true self is something that I've learned a lot as well. And I've taken that inspiration from folks like Antonio, who's a master at authenticity and putting his full self out there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I remember when we were at Visa, and he would share very personal stories. He put it all out there. And I think it really created this connection between him and the entire organization because they saw that he was coming from a very genuine place as a leader. And I think that oftentimes gets overlooked when you try not to be vulnerable, you try not to share what's happening with you. And it's an area that I'm personally still trying to grow in as well. By nature, a very private person and I don't share a lot of information naturally, but I think it's one of those things where getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and sharing information with people in an authentic way, I think is a way that you can connect with people on a human level, but then also grow as well, because you'd be surprised with how many people are going through exactly the same thing that you're going through as well.
1: Yeah. It's the trust and the being open to help. That's so important. And now that you told us your mentor's advice, what's your advice? What's your creative dare for the marketing community that they could go out and do tomorrow to put a little pep in their career?
2: Yeah, I think for me, I think it's taking a beat and just asking people that you work with what inspires them the most. Because I think we get caught up in the grind. You get caught up in the day-to-day. You get caught up in the project. You got to get out the door. But oftentimes, just taking a beat to ask somebody a very simple question, what inspires you? What gets you excited, I think is something that I found to be really helpful, whether it's people on my team or people on other teams, because you understand what motivates them personally. You understand what motivates them, whether it's a career ambition, a personal ambition, and then you can connect with them in a stronger way, which I think is really powerful. And yeah, that's the one thing that I would say is just everyone take a beat and ask people what, what really inspires them.
1: And especially now when we're facing such a difficult time, that positivity that comes from that question, instead of asking, how are you, which could be a little bit negative and could be a downer and people don't really answer truthfully, asking what inspires you, that is such a small tweak, but a game
0: changer. hundred percent. I think that leads to great collaboration as well, like shared visions, shared goals, shared aspirations. And I think that can unlock a lot of camaraderie, but also we could all always use more inspiration, especially nowadays. So we're challenging all of our listeners to follow up with Waleed and go ask your coworkers what inspires you and share your stories. What happens from that? Or what answers did you get that really changed the way you view your coworkers or even your boss? Waleed, where can our listeners share their answers from your creative dare with
2: you on social? So they can share it on LinkedIn or they can share it on Twitter. I'm at Waleed underscore Elgindi, And I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear what inspires you or what inspires others on your team or others that you know. But yeah, those are the two places that you can reach me any anytime.
1: Listeners, we're going to be looking to you for inspiration. Spark some joy.
2: <laughs> I think we could all use it. We could all use it, myself included. So I welcome any and all ideas.
0: And that hits it on the head. We always want to share our learnings together. But hey, if you guys hear something inspirational from one of your coworkers, it's selfish of you not to share. So if you're going to share your learnings, make sure to tag Waleed, but also tag at Adweek and hashtag marketer momentum so we can share the joy and share just the little bit of oxygen we could all need right now.
1: This community and this industry is so incredible, especially in this moment. And so we're really lucky to have your voice as one of these leaders here in the industry, Waleed.
2: Thank you. It's been great. I've learned so much from. This community, this moment, it's really incredible to see how this community has come together in this moment to see where people are being so generous with their time, with their effort, contribute, volunteering. It's been amazing. I've personally learned a lot from others, other mentees, other peers, other mentors, and it's been really incredible. I think we're all gonna look back one of these days and just be like, how did we actually use this time and I'm fortunate that I've been learning so much from so many people during this time that I will always remember this as well.
0: You've had an impact. I know a lot of the mentees have connected with you and you've given a lot of great advice to a lot of them, myself included. And even on this podcast, of so my biggest takeaway is just apply that the hunger for learning and understanding to help everyone around you, especially your bosses, right? Find those challenges, find ways to help them. And it's definitely paid off for you. You kind of have a little bit of the Midas touch if you just listed off all of your past coworkers that are now CMOs, so I'll definitely have to keep that in mind, or maybe just work for you someday and then we'll see what happens.:
2: <laughs> No, no, no. I think you're doing big things, Jeremy, so don't sell yourself short.
0: Thanks so much for your time. This was awesome. And we're so excited to follow up with everybody on your challenge, but also thanks for sharing so much of your wisdom. You've had such an exciting career, and it's, there's a lot of key takeaways we can all apply in our careers.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been great talking to you and Roe.
1: Marketer Momentum was produced in partnership with Julian Lewis and TJ Bonaventura from StudioPod.
0: Thanks for tuning in. We know you're making good on those creative dares. So share with your friends and tweet at Adweek with hashtag Marketer Momentum.
1: And if you have nice things to say about us.
0: Only nice things though. Write
1: us a review on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Also, special thanks to Adweek.